Welcome, everybody, to the Everybody Counts podcast. It's Tracy here to break down the finale of Bosch Legacy Season 1. And I am not alone. We have a full house with Jay and Pete. Oh, excuse me. Welliver B. Titus Third and Pete P.I. Welcome, guys. Thank you for getting my name correct. I appreciate that, Tracy. It's only taken, you know, 10 episodes. So, right. you know, we can try. Yeah. We wanted to share a special fundraiser with you that's going on through December 20th. Osoque Vasquez is a writer on Bosch and a great friend to Bosch friends. You'll see him sometimes on social media sharing information, and we've interviewed him a couple times. Great guy. And he, this is the third year in a row that he has done the Four Francis Christmas toy drive in honor of his late father. And again, that's going through December 20th. We'll have the GoFundMe link in the show notes and also on our social media. So you can look for that. And it, last year, they were able to get 1,028 gifts. They collected enough money to purchase 1,028 gifts. So the goal this year is to donate enough money for 1,500 gifts. So any amount will help towards getting gifts. It will benefit um, organizations like the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. So it's a great opportunity to to give something back and to support Osoque, who is, like I said, such a a good friend to the, the Bosch community and to honor his late father. So please look for that link if you are interested in participating. Well, now it's time for a game. And we did something similar with Jay a little while back in the podcast. This time it's a Pete-centric game, but Jay could still have involvement. Now let me lay it out there for you. So Pete, there are 10 questions plus a bonus where I'm going to ask you a question and you will answer how you think I would answer if I was Pete. So like, it's me trying to get inside your head. Okay. We did this with Jay on another one. And so it's a little meta, but you're trying to think, okay, this is my answer. Is this what Tracy would think I'm going to say, but you'll, you'll get the hang of it. So does that make sense? I'll give it a shot. I'll give you're it gonna, a shot. You, you're going to lose Pete. There's no way to know <laughs> what Tracy really thinks goes on inside our head. So just know that in advance. <laughs> but the twist is since Jay's here, If you're not sure and you're like, I just don't know, I want some help, you can call on Jay to help you. But if Jay helps you, if if Jay, Zoom a friend, if Jay helps you and you get it right, you get half a point instead of a whole point. Okay. And if you get it wrong, when Jay helps you, you lose half a point. So obviously what happens if you, (laughs) you ask the question, I know the answer. I discreetly text him the answer and you don't know about it. Does he get the full point? That is cheating. And I will take you to court and honey Chandler will be representing my interests. So no, we're not doing that. So you can get a full point per question or half a point or potentially lose half a point. If you get eight points, you win. And the bonus question is worth double, but you could also lose double. Let's get into it. Number one. What does Pete say when someone makes a bad decision and gets a bad outcome? A phrase that he uses. Anything? Jay. (laughs) Calling on Jay. If I know the answer, I'll give you a signal. I'll be like, know the answer to this one. You don't know the answer to this one? All right. Come on, Pete. This is a phrase that that you use sometimes when someone makes a bad decision. Okay, but here's my thing. It's a phrase that I used 
but I, I'm not trying to answer this with a phrase that I use. I'm trying to answer it the way you would think that what I would say. Right. So if I hear you use this phrase a lot, that's probably what I'm going to say. Go for it, dude. Go for it. Yeah. What would, what would you say to this? You yeah, would it's, know yeah. it's you, man. Come on. He messed up. <laughs> no. It's, oh, man. Okay. All right. What is it? What is it? What is it? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah, I said that before. I didn't know okay. I was being monitored. Being monitored. <laughs> oh, okay. by the way, time out. I'm sorry. Jay has a parrot on his arm, and it's really distracting right now. What? I'm trying to figure out if I'm bugging or not. What? Like, oh, my gosh, you do. He has a bird on his shoulder. And, and, I, and you're asking me these weird questions. I don't even know if this is a real podcast <laughs> if I'm in a dream. I swear Wait, to God. is that real? or is that, No, that's real because there's a bird. It's not it's real. It's real. Hi, buddy. Hi, What's buddy. this bird's name? This is Sonny. Sonny. All right. Well, Sonny, if Sonny helps, you get a quarter of a point. Does Sonny All repeat right. what Jay says? Because that would be interesting. That would be funny. That would be funny. All right. Let's go to number two. Who is the fictional alter ego on the podcast who uses a special frame of reference to make predictions about suspects? This is Pete's fictional alter ego. He tries to get inside the head of suspects or bad guys. Criminal Pete? Yes. Criminal Pete. You get a point. One point. All right. John Pete, I'm proud of you, brother. According to, to Pete, who has been the best romantic partner for Maddie thus far? Oh, this is easy. Okay. You know what? Welcome back, Jay. I'm going to pass to Jay. Yes. Who do you think I think is the best romantic partner for Maddie? Right. Nobody. Is that what so you So Jay gets that with? wrong and Jay loses half a point, right? No, no you, you lose, lose half, half a point. point. But how does Jay lose half a point? Jay's not trying to win. You're trying to win. I've already done this game with Jay. Focus, I was man. Trying, okay. I'm trying to trick Jay. Okay, we're going to redo. Obviously. Okay, I'm going to redo that one and you're going to answer. Well, I wanted to hear Jay say Tom, but he refuses to. So (laughs) therefore, he says nobody. So I'm going to say Tom. Tom. All right, you get a point. That's what I put down for you. Thank you. You should lose a point for that. This (laughs) one's coming back. Season two, Jay. (laughs) All right, number four. Number four. What is something that Pete has done on the podcast when there's a recording break that makes tracy laugh yes um sing no i thought it was what i sing about other people well you made a fake commercial sometimes oh yeah well yeah it's it's an it's a jingle yeah singing like i'm gonna give you half a point for that question number five what phrase does pete use to describe a surprising turn of events where someone was fooled or something unexpected happened there's a twist i'm gonna say heel turn Mm, because i always talk about like wrestling lingo that's what i'm thinking like but Kansas City Shuffle. Oh, okay. Yes, that's yep. that's one I use okay. often, too. Yeah. All right. See, this is harder than I think it is when I'm writing it. Okay. Number six. Who would Pete like to see more of next season? A character? He's see, no, this is a trick question. Uh, why? Because, obviously, the obvious answer has for, if you're listening to this podcast for Bosch Legacy, is going to be Mo. However, okay. however, we all know that my deep down answer is going to be Jay Egger. <laughs> Because we saw very little of him. Right. Well, okay. What's your final answer? Well, I, I want to win down. the points, and I'm assuming you put Mo for the game, so I'm going to say Mo just to get okay, the points. Okay, Mo. Mo. Yeah, Mo, so you get a point. Okay. But Jay Egger should have been counted yeah, also. You don't, as you don't, if it's not your true answer, that's okay. You think that's what I'm going to put down, that's what you tell me. That's what you yes, say. Okay, and then you can you make a clarification. So you have three and a half points. Okay, number seven. What fictional company from another series did Pete think of when he hears Vance Engineering. Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. Vance Refrigeration, <laughs> yes. All right, there's a point. 
you are at four and a half points. You really, you, you haven't needed Jay. All right. Try I think you surpassed the points that I got when I played this game. I think I got like two. You actually got pretty close, I think. All right, number eight. Pete, who would Pete say was the best cameo of season one? Please refer back to question six as my secondary answer. I'm going to have to say Jay Edgar. Jay Edgar. There you go. One, two, three, four, five and a half points. You only need two and a half points. How many right. questions is there? Well, there's nine, ten, and a bonus. Ooh. Number nine. Pete planned a segment for this year's podcast, but sadly there was not enough content. What was the name of that segment? I don't remember. I want to say Jay, but I don't think he's going to get it either. I'm going to say Jay, though, just to hear from Jay. Let's hear from Jay. <laughs> Let's hear from Jay. Uh, he wanted to do something called Pete's Pumpkins, and he was going <laughs> to carve a pumpkin in the middle of the podcast and present it to us on Twitter. Okay, you guys lost half a point, so now you have five points. Thanks, Jay. Coltrane's Corner. Oh, that's right. Coltrane's Corner from the very first podcast episode for the season. All Unfortunately, right. we saw very little of him. Number 10. What is Pete's favorite kind of trivia answer? Like what kind of thing? What kind of category? You know, numbers. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. All right. So you are at four, five, six. All right. Well, interesting. The last question. You got this, baby. Come on. The last baby. question. You can get two points because it's doubled. So instead of just one, you. you can get two if you get it right. Now, if you asked Jay for help, you would get one instead Don't of ask half. me, but dude. Don't but you need the me. two. You need the two. I'll, I'll text you if I know the answer. Yeah, let's see a little of this, a little of that. You got to reach hard, man, okay? You can do it. I'm encouraging you, okay? Believe in you, man. Come on. What is the real name of the person that Pete calls Orville Redenbacher? Oh, oh my God. Uh, it just It's like Elvis Dumerlap, or it's so dumb, dumb minor. Um, a shrewd. I, I, I'm going to give you a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Um, it's like Ray Finkel. <laughs> no, wait, wait. Um, Phil Donahue. No, wait, no, wait. D Donna, Donna. I. I You're getting closer. Remember. I know it's. I know it's like something like that's Mr. Doodoo but I can't remember the name right now. So I was gonna say Doodoo, and then whatever you say, I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, what I meant. Oh. You know what? I, I hope yeah. Jay would know this because I should know this because this guy's on the episode that we're about to discuss him. All right, he's not, Pete doesn't know it. Do you want to see if he can get to seven points, even though he's not going to get to no, eight? No, I, I don't want to risk a point and, and no, let him leave the game with six. Okay. All right. Kurt Dockweiler. There you go. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was good. That was a good show. That was really about how Jay ended up. He was close, like almost had it. So good showing. Good showing. Pete, sure. Pete, sometime this week, dude. Let's get an hour together. Let's brainstorm the crazy that Tracy says, and let's have a game for her next week for episode 11, which there isn't one, but we're going to podcast one just so we can ask her, what does Tracy say is Jay's finest quality? And then if he gets it wrong, we'll be like, feel free, feel free, gentlemen. But, but no, you, that was a good show. That was a good showing. Just shy of a win, but. Sounds good. All right. Well, we are here to discuss the season finale of season one of Bosch Legacy. The title of episode 10 is Always slash Always. And this episode was written by Titus Welliver and Michael Conley, co-wrote the episode. 
And it was directed by Adam Davidson. So one word from each of you for the episode before we get into the details. Censored. Censored? Yes. Okay. Because my word is not appropriate for the podcast. (laughs) So Jay's answer is beep. Okay. Yep. Pete, you got a word? I'm going to say dynamite. Dynamite. All right. I like it. And... Um, hey, we should make a game of this. What's Tracy going to say for, the, for <laughs> what she thinks of the episode? Jay, you want to help? See. Yeah. <laughs> she loses a point because she doesn't know already. I'm going to say deep dive. I think that's two words, Tracy. Oh, well. Jay's the word it. police yeah, all of a it, sudden. It, it, yeah. it is two yeah. words. You're right. You're right. So I'll just say it's deep. Deep. Okay. Deep. All right, let's start getting into the details. We got several different storylines. We're going to kind of take a look at each one, talk about some things that stood out to us and how things ended up. But so there's going to be a little bit of overlap. But first part we're going to talk about is Dr. Pursue's murder and Detective Gustafson. So Harry gets a video from Mo that, you know, the video footage he took of Dr. Shipman doing the drug deal. Harry takes it to Detective Gustafson, who is snarky as usual. But uh, but Harry gives him a chance to what he like he says to do the right thing, you know, because always Gustafson just assume there's some ulterior motive or something. And he's like, man, I just want you to do the right thing. Do this. If I, you know, we're still, you know, a detective, I'd probably get cell phone data from the area and bring him in. So later in the episode, we hear from Honey talking to Harry that, hey, Dr. Shipman's been arrested. Did you have anything to do with this? And we know that Gustafson tried to do the right thing. Is there any redemption for Gustafson in this case? Do you give him any grace? Only in the fact that he made it known like the other dude's completely off the hook. Otherwise, no, I think he's still a jerk. I still think he tries to take the easy way out. Like when uh, when Bosch handed him the stuff and he's like, well, did you even talk to Dr. So-and-so? And he's like... Mm-hmm. No, Didn't why would to. I do that? I don't need to right. do that. Like, like, actually, dude, your job is to do exactly that. So yeah. I, you know, I'm glad he did the right thing. I'm, I'm glad everything's going the right way with that. But to me, no. I so don't. for clearing Jeffrey, you give him. Yeah, I'll credit. give him. A, I'll give him a point for that. But okay. other than that, no, because he's just gonna do it again. Probably, probably. Yeah, I don't know that it's gonna have a lasting effect on him. Any thoughts from you, Pete, on that exchange? He's got a lot of work to go for redemption. It's just the first step. So, yeah. you know, okay. uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let that be between him and him and his own, him and himself. He's got to look at himself in the mirror. So hopefully day by day he gets better. And that's about it. What did you guys think of the way Harry talked to him? His approach? Love it. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, What'd because, you-, you know, he was he was a little snarky, but matter of fact. And I think dude deserved how he was spoken to. And- mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, too, even though he's like, well, and I know people in the apartment and I would do this and I would do that. Like he's giving him the answers, knowing that he's obviously needs the answers to get to the final destination. But mm-hmm. yeah, there wasn't there wasn't respect in in Harry's voice. And I'm glad there wasn't respect because the okay. dude has not earned it. Right. Right. But at the same time, yes, I agree with you there. But he wasn't like childish or immature about it like he did want his goal was to get the right person you know charged and and to jeffrey's name to be cleared so he was going for the right thing but yeah he wasn't gonna like go overboard with him so all right 
this whole thing with the wrongful death suit, Nicole, Nicole Davis and the SIS group and yeah. Honey and Marty are working that on behalf of, of Nicole's family and specifically her son. And one thing they need is the body cam footage. So we see Honey at a meeting, I guess, with the LAPD attorney and trying to convince the judge that they need to like kind of bypass this particular law about a certain number of days if something's currently investigation to go ahead and give her and the public the body cam footage. And the judge agrees with her. The the other attorney, you know, tries to fight it and she says, sunlight's the best disinfectant. So, and, and she says, if you don't turn it over, I will compel disclosure. She's going to, you know, make it happen. So did you, did you recognize that judge? We'd seen her before. She was the judge the, the first time we saw Honey in court with Jeffrey Herstat when they when she asked for the psych eval that they want she wanted more time to get him a psych evaluation and this was Judge Alberta Ryan and so we had seen her earlier in the season so she gets the body cam footage she shows it to Morrison and because she's trying to get that recording that he has of the call that Nicole had with her mom where we hear Nicole confirm that the the gun was in the trunk. So it's it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty compelling, I would say, when you see the body cam footage. He says that, sure. you know, he told Maddie and Raina to to set up a perimeter or whatever, and they're going to get the crime scene tape. So their backs are turned. And you can see she talks about his shoulder dipping in, and that's him picking up the gun and then putting it. He goes to the side of the car and she said that's where he like planted it down in the floor of the car. So sounds like you agreed that was compelling footage. What about you, Pete? Was it you think it was pretty clear? I mean, was it? I mean, they're telling us a story. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, there's, there's, there's no accident. They wouldn't have shown us all that if it wasn't going to come into play. So yeah. just a shitty move, and yeah, you know, gets gets me I mad mean, when I, people yeah. do shady stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get. He's not showing the camera. He's not. He's trying not to show the cameras. You know what's going on. He. So I think I think it's a compelling argument that, that that's what he was doing. And so if she has the recording of Nicole confirming that the gun was in the trunk with the body cam footage, I think that's a, a really compelling case. But he's not sure if he's going to turn it over. But then by the end of the episode, he does come in and gives a copy of the recording to Honey. And his like his one ask is that that she not just use it to to win or whatever, but to to make a difference, to really make some change. It was a great scene. Yeah, it was, it was a, a good scene. scene. Mm-hmm. It was a great scene. But this whole issue with that body cam footage, of course, Maddie's in it. And we've got this divide with Honey and Harry. They're at odds because as soon as he sees Mo, Mo's looking at that footage, trying to consolidate it, put it together in order or whatever. And Harry comes in about something else and sees Maddie. And he just, you know, right away, he is pissed. And why is she on the screen? Keep her out of this. And he's like, hey, I'm working, you know, for honey. This is well, you know, stop. Harry's just like, nope. There's so he tells honey later in the episode that if she gets Maddie involved, even you know, coming into court for anything related to her involvement, that they're over. And that's a little bit up in the air at the end of the episode. And we can talk about that more when it sort of intersects with some other parts. But how did, how did you guys feel about that? Did it, was it very painful for you that they were not agreeing or was it just like old times? What are your thoughts there? I think it sucks the position both of them are in, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. then saying that there's not, I mean, what's the right answer? 
Does she leave Maddie out and potentially hurt a case that has impact more than just a dollar amount? Or do you impact that relationship with Maddie and and Harry? It's it's no win for everybody. So I think Mm -hmm. I think it just sucks overall. And the fact that Maddie is just, you know, obviously right in the middle of it. Right. It's just, you know, that's tough. And one thing I want you to think about as we go through the episode and, and maybe into to next season, even we don't have to talk about it a lot, but I think we should have a boshometer of like Harry's level of anger. Cause you, you know, he immediately got super angry when he saw Maddie on camera. Um, and the, the, yes, this is where I'm going to jump in. Okay. I was going to jump in before, but I've been saving it for the right moment. I think this is a better moment. So I felt personally from the beginning of this episode, the whole episode, Harry was in full blown commando mode. Mm -hmm. Um, He talked to everybody without respect. He was very firm and aggressive. I think he knew what the end of the episode was going to bring. And he was just mentally preparing for it. And it was it was running through his, you know, through his personality. And I felt like he was a different type of little unstable Harry this episode. Personally, full-blown commando, which is why everything he saw and went through, he was extra angry about an extra and took everything to the next level of, well, then we're over. Well, then this is going to be this. Well, then I'm going to do this. Well, I'm gonna, like, he just, mm-hmm. everything was just like, I'm going to end it this way. I'm going to end it this way. There was no room for gray areas at this point, I felt. Okay. And I didn't know what was going to happen when I was watching it live. I understand now from watching the whole thing that it did. It's a buildup. Mm-hmm. So when you said Bosch, Bosch meter, I feel like he came into the episode on a 10 and just ran through the whole episode on a 10 okay. and ended the episode on a 10. And I think we're going to start season two on a 10, but yeah. we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. No, I think yeah. that's, I think that's the lid is blown. His lid yeah. is blown. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're, it's a very good point that like throughout the episode, he was just kind of teetering on the edge there do you agree with that, Jay? Yeah, yeah I, I like the, the 10 comparison. Start, uh-huh. middle, end. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah, kind of throughout. Yep. So this episode, the Boshometer, a 10 for Harry Bosch. <laughs> All right. Well, it's uh, never happened again in the history of Bosch Legacy. Folks. <laughs> one time only. <laughs> the 10. I think, I think we'll get there again. I do. But yeah, maybe that's a, a good measure we can use for some of the episodes going forward. The Boshometer. All right. Just another highlight that doesn't really go with a big storyline. We got a big win for Maddie in this episode. She gets to drive the Orca. She doesn't keep it very clean, according to Mank. <laughs> Not the best there, but she gets to drive. So how did you did that? Did that make you guys smile? Was that a good win for Maddie? That's a huge win. Yeah, I'm sure that's a, a huge win for anyone in that position. But yeah, you know, like you're not totally the low man on the totem pole anymore. You right. Actually yeah. get something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's a very tangible kind of like rise in, on the, yeah, in the ladder there. So what'd you think of that, Pete? She was falsely accused because she has a <laughs> veteran partner and she's the boot. So therefore, if that car is dirty. And she didn't clean it. Either one or two things happened. The veteran told her, hey, it's your turn to clean the car. And Maddie didn't, which makes her a dirty, sloppy human being. Or B, which I think is the is the honest truth. She wasn't told to clean the car. And they just brought it back and dropped it off and kept it moving. And then guess what? She's the one who got the blame for it, even though I feel like if she's with a veteran partner, the veteran yeah. partner should know better to tell her, hey, listen, I ain't doing this. You are. But somebody's doing it. You know what I mean? And I don't think wow. it happened because I feel like they would have showed us that part. See, there's my deep dive. Pete's doing a deep dive on the psychology <laughs> of the cleaning effort for the vehicle. I'm just saying, it. am I wrong here? Like, you have some good points. You have some good points. Yeah. I, don't, I think I don't she's think... falsely accused and she can't say, what is she going to tell Mink? 
Oh, no, my partner didn't tell me to do it. No, you say, okay, I'll take care of it. Sorry. But the point is, even still, she gets to drive the car, the vehicle. So, oh, yeah, it's awesome. Man, how much fun would it be to go drive around in a police car for a while? Okay, I would be like, give me those keys. You mean when you say in a police car, do you mean behind the steering wheel or in the back seat? (laughs) Yeah, a little clarification. Different types of fun. All right, let's get into the story with the Vance heirs. We, we, we ended last episode with Harry coming into the building and to try to rescue Viviana and her son Gilberto, while at the same time, the unnamed assassin woman was just on their heels. It looked like she'd gone through the door of the area they were in. And so we're left with that cliffhanger in that episode. So Bosch comes in. He uh, starts messing with the elevator. That noise distracts her. She's upstairs. He's on the ground floor. So that makes her, she sees it go up. So I think she goes up again. He starts to go up because he's got to get to the second floor to get to the heirs. But then he does a super smooth move and gets out of the elevator, but it allows it to keep going. So he is at the second floor and assassin keeps going up and Boom, 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 boom. I think it's maybe on the fourth floor that she just shoots the heck out of that elevator, which we see that again in the episode. And I did make a note that when she is ready to, there is no ready to fire. She thinks someone's there. She thinks she's got them. She, I mean, she doesn't look twice at all. Yeah, she's crazy. She just <laughs> she's shoots. She's crazy. It was like, there should be someone there. Hopefully it's the one I'm supposed to shoot. Let exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what if it's not? All right, people. Well, would you say that Boss did the Kansas City shuffle? <laughs> he did. Yes, exactly. So he gets them away. He rescues the heirs. Good for Bosch. He's the hero. He's talking to Mo later in the episode and about and because he got him out, but then he pulled the camera footage from the building and he wants to look, take a closer look at this woman, you know, get a better image of her. Who is she? And they watch the footage and Mo thinks she has a silencer, but Bosch says it's a suppressor either way. You know, it's illegal, but they can tell, you know, like we were just talking, she means business. She's no holds barred. And so Bosch has to figure out what he's going to do about this. Later, Bosch, uh, Mo gives Bosch the footage. Bosch didn't have this yet, but the footage where she pushes, Sloan enters the building and she pushes him in and she obviously kills him. That, and Bosch has a, you know, visible reaction to that. I mean, that was a very, very dark moment. Any thoughts on that? I mean, Sloan really. He was a jerk too. No, no, but he was trying. No, see, this is another Kansas City shuffle because they wanted us to think that he was bad or whatever but he was really trying to protect i think i think whitney vance till the end and then he tried to do a good turn and he it was too late was taken out nobody wants to pete, like no, pete no. is right pete is right and you're sitting here thinking oh he was doing something nice at the end so he's redeemed and we need to look at him like a good guy <laughs> Dude, no he, he was- could have he could have prevented all of this stuff months ago and he didn't. He is a bad dude. One good deed does not erase all the others. No. How could so. he have prevented it? How could he prevent it? Bosch wouldn't listen to him when he came to talk to him. When he honestly said, we turned out, 
turned out he honestly was saying that Vance wanted him to help Harry. He came to his office and he put his hand on the door and Harry's like, the, I wouldn't do then, that. Then why didn't Vance tell Harry that he sent right. someone to help because him? Because he was right. dying at that point. He was but he, he still talked talk to Bosch right. about what he wanted in his will. Right. And no, Vance was no. like, you talk to nobody. Remember, he was like, you don't talk to nobody. You don't talk to Sloan because he's a scumbag. You don't talk to, see? I will give you, I will give you that part that he did make that clear from the beginning. Do not talk to anybody else. Yes, that is a very good point. But all I'm saying is I think Sloan was trying to do the right thing all all along. He was trying to protect Vance. And then he did try to tell him, or you were talking about that Vance still could talk. At that point, he could not. He was on his deathbed at that point. He had not like had that resurgence. You know what your problem is? You let (laughs) Michael Connolly trick you. All right? Because Connolly (laughs) had him killed in that way. So there would be a podcaster out there one day who would feel sorry for him. Like he was really a good guy. And you fell for it. Nice job, Michael Connolly. Way to go. Well, but you I didn't think- fool me. Sloan is not that important, so I'm going to leave it with this. He played stupid games, and he won stupid prizes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I-, I asked for your thoughts on it, and clearly I got lots of thoughts from you. So so now Harry's got to deal with this. Next thing we know, he's getting Creighton in a, putting a bag over his head, got him in a chokehold, and then we go to this flashback to Afghanistan. Who wants to talk about that flashback? It's weird, man. I was not expecting that at all. Me neither. Like, no. Bosch in the middle of Afghanistan. I mean, we knew he had been there, but up. Yeah. right. I know, but seeing him and then him, yeah. some dude up for interrogation and then Bosch being Bosch, like, what are you going to do about this? And what if he doesn't talk? And what if he gives you bad information? And blah, blah, blah. Like, Bosch has been Bosch forever. Like, he's <laughs> the same Bosch he's always been. Like, it was, uh, it was interesting to throw that there right smack in the middle of all that. And prompted me to be like, okay, really, what's going to happen next here? What's mm-hmm. what's going on? What's going so on? you know, the first thing, the first thing that I thought of when I saw this is this a Walking Dead crossover? Is this an Abraham flashback <laughs> oh, yeah. too? Because he shows up like we're going to tell this Alex. guy all the pain we're going to put him through, and then afterwards I'm going to show him what I told him about. <laughs> like, oh geez, take it easy. Yeah, like the, where's the, Eugene? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard when there's such a, a a big character in one show, and then you see that actor pop up in another. It is a little distracting. Plus, they're yeah. both in the army. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Abraham was yeah. in the army in Walking Dead. Right. And he's in the army here, right. so I'm like, and and the timeline this, matched is up. This because Abraham it's, back, yeah. Back, yeah. it's like Abraham backstory or something. <laughs> like, listen, I don't care what anybody says. I know they're not connected, so this is not like crazy information or Easter eggs or anything. But mm-hmm. for me, I'm just gonna go with the fact that that was Abraham from Walking Dead, and he happened to cross paths <laughs> with Bosch at one point, and that's it. And it's just my own fantasy, and I'm gonna live with it. And I don't care who doesn't like it. That's okay. it. So. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. What's the takeaway from this scene? Because then we go into Harry threatening to employ some of those torture methods to get information out of Creighton. What? What's so? What's What's your takeaway? Was this? Did this memory lead Harry in this full commando? Okay. So I'll reaction? just jump in real quick because I see Jay getting ready to speak his piece. But real quick. He's full-blown commando. I feel like in 2002 Afghanistan, he wouldn't have tortured that guy. He wasn't the same. He wasn't ready to then. I feel like he was ready to torture this guy. And if he didn't get his information, I feel like he would have just kept pouring the water at this point. Okay. He, I felt like he was his lid was off. He was going to okay. kill somebody in this episode. I just didn't know who. So you felt like it was kind of like to show how he's changed. Like I, I just personally difference? felt like the way he talked in 2002 to his 
commander about things mm-hmm. and the yeah. way he did his thing, he was two different people. Okay. Jay, go ahead. You have I would, something to say. I have a different, I have a different take because in in the scene in Afghanistan, I think he mentioned something like the guy was Saudi or or something mm-hmm. or whatever. And he at least gave the inclination that this is not the guy that needs to be tortured or handled this way or okay. whatever, right? And then then we jump to the now where this dude is bad. We know he's bad, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the guy that shouldn't have had it done it, Harry steps up and does the right thing. And But on the flip side now, we see if you know the dude is bad, okay. Harry is okay with whatever methods need to be done to make sure it's handled okay. in the right way. Okay, That's interesting, interesting. Yeah, and he is ready to employ whatever methods to get the information. Creighton swears that he doesn't have any of that information. He does not know this assassin's name. And he tells him he has to stop her. Well, she doesn't turn back. And so Bosch is faced with, do I, you know, believe this? Obviously, he makes the decision to believe it because he's like, well, you're going to have to convince her then that they are somewhere where they're not. We're going to set this up. You're going to get the drones out, get this footage and make her think that they're at this Hidden Valley residence. She gets this, this message that here's where they are. You need to get them. She's working out in her hotel room. What really struck me in this scene is that she seems like a person who never has fun. Like never. Like she didn't break. We didn't see her relaxing at all. Like it's constant killer mode, right? I mean, do you agree? Yeah. And or is uh, that how she relaxes? I, mean, I maybe, <laughs> you know, I listen, I'm not a mad killer on the loose who just shoots at anything. Right. So Thankfully. I don't really know what that's like. But I have to assume if you're if you're that kind of person that can just shoot and not worry about it, like that's I, true. Do, that's true. What what's fun then? Like what right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. If you're like a sociopath, I guess. I mean, it's... all right. So they they've sent the, the message that that's where she's gonna be. So now Bosch has to get his plan ready. Because he's going to save the heirs, not going to let them get hurt. He stashes them somewhere. And now he's going to deal with this assassin. And Mo's like, are you going to kill her? And he's like, well, she doesn't listen to me. So he's getting all his equipment packed and ready to go. We've got some interesting exchanges with Mo. There's, um, he's going to have some speakers in this mission and some cameras. So he has to have his blue poop. Blue poop. Blue poop. Someone called Dr. Shipman. <laughs> Best podcast ever. (laughs) So he has to have his Bluetooth turned on and you can see poor boss. He's struggling. He doesn't know what it is. And it's just, I mean, I know we're not like super sweet on this podcast, but that was so sweet that Mo helped him with the Bluetooth and he didn't make him feel bad about it. He just casually went over and kind of told him what to do. Mo's a good dude. Mo is a good good dude. dude. Yes. So he also is concerned that Bosch is going into this super dangerous situation. He's like, you know, why don't you call the police? And that's not good enough for Bosch. They're not going to act fast enough or they're not going to act. And so Mo actually offers backup. Now you get a little bit of J. Edgar vibes there. I know they haven't been like working together long, 
But, you know, Jay Edgar would always back up Bosch. Yeah, but here's the thing. I think Bosch knows this. If he brings Mo, Mo's just like, you want to bring Mo, this is what you do. Hey, Mo, run out in front of the bad person and get shot so I can get an angle on them and shoot them while they shoot you. No, it's he, like when Jay Edgar comes. When Jay Edgar comes, he has, like, training and he's been there. You know, they know, know. codes and stuff. Him and Mo haven't been in the field. So, I yeah. don't no, – I think it was I a mean, good gesture. But yes. it was the right call. Leave him, leave him on the sidelines. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought he would take his, his – you know, this is, you know, Bosch is the lone wolf. He's going to do this alone and he's not going to want to put. You know what it Mo showed me? I'll tell you what it showed me because when I was watching the episode, I thought about this and I was going to bring this up on the podcast. Um, we don't have enough time to see the history of things. We just know that Mo appeared as Bosch's guy. Um, we don't know the history, what they've been through. But for Bosch to barely be paying Mo, and to me, they, they, they're kind of like a brotherhood. They're kind of like brothers. Mm-hmm. They're family of some sort, I feel at this point. However, we didn't see them connect over years and years and years. So we don't know the history. However, for the last year or the last year and a half, they could have been together every day. We didn't see that because we came into the show a little bit right. deeper later on. Right. So I do believe that that's just showing for us to, t- to dig, to do the deep dive, so to speak. I believe that that scene when Mo offered the help, knowing that this, this person's like legit, you know, and knowing that he's not equipped to really, you know, he's he's got style and skills, but he's not equipped to handle, a, a, yeah. a, you know, kind of no, killer. Was- it was the gesture. It was the thought. It, it just shows some growth and that they have bond. They're continuing. But to if bond. you offer to, if you offer to do that for anybody, you're mm-hmm. close with them at some sort. Yeah, if you would you know, even. So you know, I feel like there's more there. there to them as family wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they got the plan together. Harry's heading out there. He makes a call to Honey, which is interesting because we've already he's already seen that footage where Maddie's on the body cam and he's he's mad at Honey and not happy about that. But even still, he calls her. To give her a heads up that he's going into something that could. But that call made no sense to me. Yeah. So why even call her her to tell her that like Mo knows that you're going to go do something dangerous already. So Mo, so you have somebody who knows. So it's not like you're trying to make somebody aware. What I thought was going to happen is he was going to say, listen, I'm going to do something dangerous. If I don't make it, please take care of Maddie for me and always look out for Maddie. That's where I thought this was going. But he didn't. He just said, "Okay, bye. So I was like, what's the point of this phone call? I'll wait for something sentimental to hit. No, I think that is what it was for. I think they just don't have to say all the words. I mean, they have become close. They do think, as much as they think differently, they think a lot alike. They, I don't think he had to explicitly say what he was calling for. I think she knew. What? All right, Jay, you're the <laughs> arbitrator. Which is it? As much as it pains me to, to side with you, Tracy, I think you're right here. Okay. <laughs> All right, and you should on. you should save that clip for uh, yeah, the rest yeah, of your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we that's I think that's good information that Jay just shared, and we can just move on. All right. Who wants to talk about the shootout? The she's tracking the she thinks she's tracking and getting closer to the airs, and then Bosch catches oh, up oh, with her. Oh, yep, I could yep. jump right in real quick because right away I'm like, so he says, "What are you going to do?" He goes. I'm going to give her a chance to stand down. However, I feel Bosch knew that he was going to have to kill this person the whole time because mm-hmm. this person is just not going to stop. We know that. So therefore, in the beginning, when she first shows up, he shows his scope and he's got a view of her walking into the house. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, bring a sniper rifle, sit there, get her entire boom. It's done. It is the same result. Instead but of putting yourself in danger. He's not a killer. He's not hired for killing. He, he was Unfortunately, give her a Tracy. At, in, in about eight minutes of this episode, he's going to become a murderer again. But he gave her a chance. He gave but her a still, chance. This, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through the rest of this, but it, the result was the same. Outcome more important than motive. I will, say, say. I will say 
shout out to Mike Martini and Boss Trivia Guy, because what you're alluding to is something that we had talked about just sort of off the podcast, that yes, Harry knew that he could have, he may have to kill her. He wanted to give her a chance, but he may have to kill her because Mike thought that that's why all those tarps and stuff were set up, you know, when she did. Yes, all, he set the whole, he set the I whole know, scene. I know. But he I knew think... he was going to kill her. That's okay. it. And he had to cover his butt. And I feel like you should have, you could have done a way easier with what we saw. However, you guys might have a different interpretation. So I'll I leave said, the I say he knew it was a possibility that he'd kill her, maybe even a likely possibility. Jay, tell us what you think and then walk us through this, the, the, the high, the big points of this. Um, if, if, if he, if he's not absolutely going to kill her, how is she going to frame Creighton? He has to kill her in order to frame mm. him with the gun. Mm. Otherwise, there's no frame. So if he does, let's say she walks in the house and says, oh, never mind. My hands are up. I give up. I'll never kill anyone ever again. And he lets her go. He still then has to do something with Creighton. Mm. What do you do with him? Because you can't kidnap a dude and do that to someone and then let him go unless... You planted a gun somewhere, so that way he has to keep it. The, the woman was going to listen. Bosch is the man. I love Bosch. The dude went in there completely premeditated, planned the whole thing out. And is they, it completely and, naive to think that if she did give up, that Creighton wouldn't be just like, we got, we, she'd stop, no, you know? No, no. Okay, okay. All I right. see no floors except for if he would have popped her with a sniper rifle before she walked in. But either way, is he it, had her. Is it really bad that he killed her? I don't think it is. Is it? it is, yes, is it it's bad that he's a murderer. It, he took a bad dude off the street. He took a killer off the That woman's so crazy, she tiptoeing around the damn house like, oh, I got to sneak up on him. But then she gets to the bedroom, rushes in like a bull's chasing her and just. Unfortunately, Jay, it's no longer his job to take criminals off the street. It's his job to make sure that he investigates the information properly and protects his clients, not kill the enemy. God, this sounds like some. This sounds like some excuse Tracy would give. Be quiet, man. Come on. (laughs) These are the okay, and I'm being serious. These are the complexities that Michael Conley and, as far as source material, material and the writers on this show give us with Bosch. He's a complex character. He's not black and white. He's not good. He's he's not completely bad. Obviously, there's so much gray area with him. He always gets in these situations where he makes hard decisions whether you sometimes good people have to do bad things to get a good result but but this is the whole thing a serial killer who only kills criminals and bad people who get away with murder like we see on every tv show out there for the most part those people are still criminals bosh's moral compass might be clear and he might be free of like sin for killing the killer the the assassin however when it comes to law enforcement and the action code of the world he's a criminal now he's a murderer he- I will, when given all yes he broke the law but jay's talking the spirit of what he did and you're talking the law and they're two different things and they don't always match up so i you know well i live in the world where the spirit doesn't rule the law rules and he's wrong so you know what i'm saying it i'm just a, I'm, just my point you yeah know? It, just thankfully it's a fictional situation i don't like bosh less i'm like yeah bosh kick her you know but yeah 
But it's not that at the end of the day, I'm going to be real. I'm not going to be favored. And at the end of the day, a murderer is a murderer. And he did a murder. It is what it is. I mean, it, it, he has no, to that, get over That's it. a good point not to keep harping on this. But like mm-hmm. when he pulled the tarp down to like cover up, there was a brief moment that I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't like Bosch like I do. It's well, uncomfortable. It's certainly yep. uncomfortable. That's the darkest we've ever seen him, I feel. Yeah. Bosch Legacy's dark, man. Be careful. Season two's coming. He's like Darkwing Duck. <laughs> all right well he took care of that situation there's been a lot of discussion on it she is out of the picture the heirs are safe he goes to pick them up they've been at gabriella's house um that was fun seeing three generations together looking at pictures them being reunited so it, it is helpful to go from that dark 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 scene to the happy scene of Yes. Of, of them being together that's that's a helpful transition for someone like me he takes them home He's still hesitant about what's going on because he's got Creighton's stash there. And so he's got to get them in safely and then deal with Creighton. Not, not, hold on. I'm going to jump in real quick. Uh Not even that. I thought about the first thing. I was like, that's a good idea, boss, because you don't know if there was more than one assassin hired. You just saw one. So you have to double check and still check and still look. Good job. You have to check and check and check again. Yeah. So he has an exchange with Creighton. He's letting him go. And to me, this is just laughable. When I mean, obviously, he tells him that the gun is buried uh, with the assassin, so he's he's got that hold on him. But it's just laughable to me that Creighton would try to recruit him, you know, for the security firm. I mean, it makes for good television. I'm not saying it's bad writing or anything at all. It just I'm just like this guy is unbelievable. This Creighton guy, it's just unbelievable that he would go there, you know. So did that surprise either of you? It didn't really surprise me. I was just like, this guy is so messed up he's just always looking out for himself we could use someone like you you know yeah i'm not shocked he's a piece of work he's a piece of work too he's a piece of work all right then we see them all at the art show again the three generations and towards the end of the episode we see honey has entered the petition you know for the heirs to be the you know the recipients of the estate and she's talking to the crowd and the press. And uh, I feel like we have closure there. Are we going to follow up on this story at all? Or do you just feel like it's a win for Vance's heirs? Win. Mission accomplished. Win. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't like that Honey Chandler gave up so much information at her press conference. Oh, really? That was too much? Because, because yeah, you're like, oh, we found out there was already been attempts to eliminate um, mm-hmm. these people okay. so like what happens when like the law enforcement and fbi see this hear this and say okay let's look into this a little bit deeper oh look our video camera shows this that this lady's in in the house three different times and oh look there's bosh you know like you should have just been like yo these are the heirs and that's it i don't know i feel like mm-hmm. she gave up too, too much information and i hope it's not like one of those things that come back into season two to hurt bosh okay yeah it was it was kind of, i do it was kind of interesting that she gave gave some of that information I kind of ultimately I feel like it's kind of a closed loop and we may get a reference to them at some point when maybe it's convenient to the story that but I, I feel like it was they yes it's they definitely won. closed in my mind okay the airs okay. are going to be the airs you might see them in a cameo and you know in an episode of season two or season three but I don't think they're going to be you know specified I think we're going to go into new cases and new situations and we'll move on from this it was a, it was a good story I enjoyed it all right let's talk about Maddie in this episode because she's where we end up at the episode with a cliffhanger in her story. So the first thing we see with uh, Maddie is she and Raina are eating lunch from a food truck that's there. They're having kind of a fun conversation about what cops eat. And uh, Maddie notices Doc Weiler slash 
Orville Redenbacher getting out of his van. He's going to get something from the food truck. She thinks she recognizes him or she thinks that that's him, maybe based on his truck number description because she hasn't seen this guy. So I was trying yeah, to figure that was out that. weird to wonder how she knew like that was probably him. And so and why is he in the same spot getting lunch with they are? Well, okay. So, I mean, they have a beat, I guess. And so if this happened in their beat, you know, they responded to the call, then maybe on that notice where she saw that there was an inspection and she decided to call him, maybe there's like an inspector number or something or that's on his truck. I, I, that's the only thing I could think of Okay, that she thought maybe it was him. I mean, I wasn't super sure, but that was be my guess. But she goes up and she talks to him and it just feels so creepy, you know, because we had seen his face talking to her you know, in the last episode with all those pictures up and stuff. And she just says, let us know if which you see makes, anything. Which makes me wonder, was he following her to that food truck spot? Well, that's a good question. That is a good question. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. So that was an interesting, weird exchange. Then we uh, get them responding to a call with, with gunshots. And I think this just gives some, not just, but this gives some um, insight into sort, sort of Maddie and her how she's going to be in the, in the job. Like Bosch has a unique way of approaching the job and, you know, kind of pushes outside the boundaries. Obviously I think Maddie is going to push outside as well, but I think hers is a little bit differently. So she holds this guy's hand as he's dying and Raina just doesn't get it. You know, she looks at her really strange, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, she says helps on the way, even though I'm sure she knows, you know, he's dying. It's not going to, you know, no one's going to be able to help him. But I, I, for me, I think this, shows that Maddie has maybe some unique compassion she'll have in her job that sometimes may get her in trouble. She's um, a boot. It's a boot. <laughs> this is her first one. I'm sure that her partner's seen like 175. I don't know. I mean, she's been through so much trauma at her young age, losing her mom. And the partner rolled her eyes and was like, what are you doing, boot? And she's like, oh my God, this is I'm not standing better about Maddie. She has empathy. She's compassionate. You know, we love that about her. However, this is probably her first or second. Well, yeah, it maybe it won't continue, but we've seen this throughout the season. She couldn't just let go with the rape rape victim. You know, she kind of, and she got more involved than she should with that. I, I agree. But th- I think what I'm saying is I think that's where she's going to find herself pushing her boundaries in her career. I think it's going to relate to feelings and some sense of compassion or trying to do what's right for them in that way. She's going to run into the same problem that Bosch ran into. Which is that you, you're trying too hard on things that, you know, you're not assigned to and people are going to mm-hmm. get mad that you step on their toes. Yeah. So, well, that's you kind know. of the point I'm making is that they, they both are kind of like that. And to me, her seems geared a little bit towards her feelings about the situation. All right, Jay, your turn. I think it is a problem. <clears throat> I think uh, I think that this scene was important because we need to remember it, because when we get into season two and she's going to be a different person than the person we see now. And okay. so how we see her now and see how that may define her going forward, I think is going to change. And the question will be, will she come back to that person or forever be changed? Okay, good question, good question. Uh, just to move on through the story, um, she comes home that day, she's getting ready for a shower, she's putting her stuff down. And I think, I know at least one person I I had a dialogue with about this, but I I think maybe they wanted us to think that the screen was cut in her room, but that was, that was a reflection of the, the, the lamp and what was sitting on the bed. 
Did, did you guys did you guys think at all that the screen was cut when that first? Oh, the time screen she, was cut. Not the first time. No. No. Not, no. No. When, I'm talking about the when, first what's time. His face? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. What, this I'm talking about when Honey comes knocking at. The oh door. yeah. No, they they wanted you to think that. Yeah. Yeah. Start, but if you yeah. Look, so I mean, I think I think we're all in agreement that that was not cut at that time. Everyone right. in agreement? Yeah. Okay. Right. But yeah, I, 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 yeah, some people thought it was, and you know, I we call that not. foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she gets a knock at the door, but it's still unsettling to think, wait, wait, is that cut? She's coming in alone. You know, they're giving you that vibe and there's a knock at the door and she looks, and even when she kind of hesitates to open the door, it still could have been, you know, over Renbacher or something, but it's Honey and, and she has that hesitation because she's frustrated with Honey about the wrongful death suit uh, for Nicole Davis and she doesn't want Honey getting her involved and messing up careers and things like that they have this discussion I thought you cared about me and she's like I do care about you but I also care about you know justice being served and she just a break here at this point one question I did have was it was interesting to me that honey says she cares but she also cares about justice but when Bosch saw Maddie on those cameras that Mo was looking with as much as he cares about justice he couldn't give a rat's ass about justice it was about Maddie okay yeah. so listen Here's the bottom line. I didn't answer this before because I really didn't want to, but now I do. This is way bigger than Maddie's career. Her her one year or whatever, six month long career. If Honey Chandler wasn't doing it for the cause that she's doing it for, mm-hmm. because of what we believe happened based on what we're seeing. Like, I mean, I'm sure we all have an opinion that this was it was a frame job. And if that's the case and it's being framed, this is a definitely like a, a big moral justice case, which impacts so much more. Mm-hmm. than anything else going on oh, so maddie needs to just you know what's the term suck it up buttercup yeah and this is part of the job and Bosch has been there and this has happened to Bosch. and i don't blame Bosch for acting the way he's acting because mm-hmm. he is just being a father and yes. knows how this goes because he's been down this path however mm-hmm. you're maddie you're a cop now this is what happens in, in your area in your state in your city in your town in your district in your enforcement group and this is part of it. And you got to do the right thing because at the end of the day, we all want Honey to win this case and provoke change. Yes. So no. the case, it's it's a bigger cause. It's not to save one person, you give up the other. This is so much more. So I don't, I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't feel the need to defend Honey's take on it. I think she's yeah. doing the right thing. I think she can care about Maddie and still care about justice. But I think you 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 made the good point that he's a father. So the, you know, he didn't, re- he, 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 when it comes to Maddie, he can't, look at both it's just about maddie and i guess that is because he's a dad but I there's just, no I just, way she could do the case without using maddie's footage because oh, no, if I she know, doesn't use no. it the other person's going to subpoena her no, so either I, way maddie's going to get subpoenaed yes i agree i agree with what honey's doing my point is she can care about maddie and justice as a father or for whatever reason i think that's probably the reason bosch cannot when it comes to maddie's involvement in something he can just put blinders on the justice he just cares yeah. about maddie i just to I me it just it. showed a contrast but no i agree i agree with what honey's doing anything from you jay i'm good he's good all right so you know so we obviously have that that scene where we're a little scared that something might be going on but it's um innocuous then the next day maddie meets with harry at his office and they talk about staying in communication and that's where we get a, a you know the, the, the title to the reference because they want to always and always um, stay connected, communicating, letting each other know that they're okay, because they're both in dangerous jobs. And so that's this, they're 
you know, showing the significance of answering a text, saying you're okay, just stopping to do that. Well, sure enough, later, Harry's at that art exhibit and he has invited Maddie and she doesn't show. And so they've just had this conversation about responding to calls and texts and she's not responding. She's not there. She's not responding to calls. She's not responding to texts. So Harry's like, I'm just going to go to her place, figure out what's going on. She doesn't come to the door. Then he breaks it down, goes inside. And then we do see that the screen is cut. And I did fail to mention that earlier that day, Maddie came home and we saw the masked guy in the closet. So sorry about that. Put that in there. So we, we know we, as the audience, we saw the masked guy in the closet. When Maddie comes home that day, we don't see anything else. The next thing we have is Bosch at the art exhibit and she's not responding to calls and texts, goes to her place, breaks down the door. She's not there. The screen is cut. Her keys are there. And then we, you know, fade to black. That's the end of the episode. So what do you think about him breaking down that door? Did he do it too soon? Were you surprised at so, all? Okay. So um, I was at first, I was like, what are you doing, bro? Literally, she didn't answer your call for like 20 minutes, a half an hour, maybe even two hours. And you're already kicking in her door. However, I can understand that like she, she, they didn't have plans and he called her and she didn't pick up and she was in the city having a Broadway play and the, she had a phone off, but he was, she was expected to be somewhere. Yeah. And if she wasn't going to show up and blow it off for any reason, even if it was to stay home and take a nap, she mm-hmm. would have messaged him. Hey, I'm going to take a nap. Talk to you later. So mm-hmm. the fact that she didn't show up where she was supposed to show up and then she wasn't answering, I felt like at first I was like, yo, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you kicking in the mm-hmm. door? You're crazy. But now I get it that he knows better than anybody that if my daughter doesn't respond, you know, she's not, you know, she wouldn't just blow things off. I'm assuming that. The things we don't see is that Matt is a very punctual person, a very responsible person, doesn't mm-hmm. just disappear without texting and keeping in touch. So I feel like he had full blown cause at that point to see what's going on, no matter what it was. Jay, what do you think about him knocking down the door? OK, with it, I feel like I probably would. Okay. I think so. <laughs> I mean, there's too much craziness. He lives in a world of even now yeah. worse darkness, man. I think, uh, you know, a door jam and a doorknob yeah. and a door lock can be replaced but yep. a person can't the fact that she didn't show up when she was supposed to was yeah. what made it okay for me mm-hmm. if yeah. he just called her on a random tuesday and was like oh i want to talk to you what are you doing and mm-hmm. she didn't pick up he said well i'm gonna go over there and kick the door and like dude what are you doing but the fact that she wasn't where she's supposed to be you know what i mean i feel like you're justified in you know proceeding at that point because she it seems like she would message him yeah boshometer level 10 Yes. Agree. All right. Any, any thoughts on, on the cliffhanger that you want to share before we go into some just yes, sort of. Questions? I have some thoughts. Thank you, Tracy. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. I would like to uh, direct these thoughts to uh, everyone behind the creation of this show, uh, particularly you, Mr. Conley, since uh, you have a lot of decision making in the show. Now, listen, we've watched a lot of season of the original Bosch where we did not have a cliffhanger. We got a nice end to the story. We got to know what happened, blah, 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 move on to the next season, so forth and so on. And originally I was like, what the bleep did he just do to me? He's going to leave me like this. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, I like it. Something different, something unexpected, something to force me now to make sure I'm definitely watching the next one. But listen, Mr. Connolly, the TV world is a crazy world, okay? (laughs) You cannot continue to do this because one day you're going to be like, that's the last season. 
And if you leave me at a cliffhanger, we're going to have to have words, all right? So don't get used to this. One time is good. Maybe two times is good. More than that, don't do it to me, okay? Don't do it. Thank you, sir. All right. That, all there's a, a plea from Jay. Correct. Mr. Conley, take it with a grain of salt, but that's a plea from Jay. No salt, man. <laughs> edit that. Edit. Where's our editor? Ed oh, she is the editor. Great. Oops. <laughs> All right. Just a couple of rapid fire answers before we get into some trivia. Your favorite relationship of the season? Like it was supposed to be rapid fire, but here I am thinking about it. <laughs> There wasn't that many couples, I feel. No, not romantic. Necessarily. Yeah, just yeah. any relationship. Just, just you know, uh, partners, uh, working partners, families, uh, the Bratva, Ivanovich brothers, you know, any, <laughs> any pairing. that. Yeah, I think I'm going to go uh, Honey and, and, uh, and Harry, which is probably an easy choice. But I did like how it wasn't strictly, okay, we're all good. There were some hiccups and some some drama and some stress there and i uh -huh. think i think really i mean ultimately they're gonna always be connected in in some way shape or form but i just liked how it wasn't just you know smooth sailing there were some ups and downs and uh -huh. and uh, a lot of different portions to that relationship okay what about you pete i like the brothers i hope <laughs> they come back i hope boss teams up with jay Edgar and they go for a tag team match and that's it uh. Okay. All right. That, that was, that was a pretty rapid fire. I'm going to go with Harry and Maddie, which has been a fantastic relationship throughout the series, but I think you just cannot beat that exchange from episode six, where he finally, you know, tells her about getting shot and that her mom was the one who saved him. That was just such an emotional exchange. And I mean, they had a lot of great moments as father and daughter and now kind of a little bit more as peers, you know, in law enforcement. So we got to see a little bit different kind of part of their relationship but it, it you can't beat the the exchange i don't think in episode six so that's my answer all right predicting for next year jay alluded to this a little bit are we going to follow up with the sis suit or do we just assume that you know martin i mean rose and associates will win and get a good settlement for nicole's son but other than that I, I ask if that's going to continue because are we going to get a specific resolution to whether Harry is still really mad at Honey about bringing Maddie into that case? And again, she's not really bringing her into it. I mean, she's just on the, the footage, but he, she did say she might have to come and verify that that was her body cam. But are we going to look at this case again in season two, specifically in regard yes. to the resolution of their yes. argument? Jay says yes. yes. Yeah, I, I think you have to. You think yes or I, no? I want to say yes. However, I don't know about the timeline because if Maddie's kidnapped now and you're going forward with this case, how's Maddie going to even be able to testify? So is her is her is her footage going to be withdrawn from the from the record because she's missing and can't be there to physically back it up? So therefore, it'll get you know you know conveniently disbarred because mm -hmm. of what's going on. Not saying that it's like oh, good thing that she got kidnapped, but it might get her off the hook there which allows Bosch and Honey to get back on the same page, which allows them to team up to go find Maddie. Okay, okay. I think it will be, like, mentioned. I don't know that we're necessarily going to see anything from it, but I think it will somehow be mentioned casually to kind of show where Harry and Honey landed. Okay, so we have a few different takes, opinions on that. I think this is also a good place 
to pause and, and point out that just because Maddie is missing, it doesn't necessarily mean she's the victim. It's easy to assume that this- Well, her screen was cut. Right, but who's, who's to say that she didn't tackle this guy or something when he tried to attack and he's the one being held? I'm to say. I'm to say that Maddie's the victim here and we're going to okay. go get her and Bosh is okay. going to stay on 10 on your meter for like at least two episodes to four. Okay. Okay. I'm just considered saying. that. No, I considered that too. Like, what if she, he got her, she got away, got away from, took him down, blah, blah, blah. And maybe she's on her way to the police station with him, right? Yeah. Like, it yeah. could be any number of things. That's a good but point. I, I didn't think about yeah, that. But I'm going to say no because it will make me mad. It will? Why? I don't, because you, you got the cut window and you got the bad dude. No, she has to be taken. So you feel like the setup you, is too ominous yeah, for her. Yeah, to... if you okay. give some easy out, man, I'm sorry, you're missing out on a heck of a storyline. Okay. You could All drag right. that two, three episodes easily with the empathy and compassion and getting us. Think about it. They released, what, four episodes at a time to start? So they could release yeah, Because okay. listen, I, I already told you, like, if she's if she's kidnapped, taken, whatever you want to call it, right? She's traumatized. We're going to see a different Maddie. Add in the fact that we have to hear from that case that we just talked about where she's going to be involved in it. And there will be some kind of pushback somewhere in the department because she's involved. So now she's traumatized. Now she's facing whatever's happening internally in the department. Now you've got a character that's so complex that anything could happen. You have it, to could, it could make for good writing. Just I'm saying just as a woman, you can't always assume that they're the victim. But that does, that would make more compelling story, perhaps, uh, looking at it from that. But, but what yeah. I'm going to say is this, Tracy, in all equal fairness, if Maddie would have walked in the Bosch's apartment with a grip screen and Bosch was missing, I would say, oh, no, Bosch was taken. So it's not like I'm yeah, like, oh, no, no Bosch yeah. got I would yeah. look the same way. Either way, your TV show, Michael Connolly is telling me she was taken. Yes. That's going to lead us into the big arc for season two. It's going to grow Maddie's development as a character like Jay was implying. So much because we are going to feel for this girl so much because she's going to be so down uh-huh. with all this stuff going on. And Bosch is going to be struggling with his internal, you know, compass of what to do. And he's going to want to go and just take people out and he can't. And he's got to yeah. do something for his daughter because, you know, you guys know, I don't know, but you guys know that a child's pain and the ability to, to just want to take it away from them at any point in time as much as yeah. you can. It's one of the hardest feelings in the world. I deal with it with pets, but not children. I know it's on a different level with children. I don't understand that feeling yet, but I'm just saying it's different. And I think this arc is going to bring us. And then when Maddie finally rises above all this stuff, Mm -hmm. she's going to, we're going to be there for the whole ride, which is going to invest us so much more into the Maddie story. And then sharp shooting right into season three with a mature, experienced Maddie and a crazy Bosch. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's going to be, no, it's gonna I be totally, good stuff. I totally hear you guys. And I hear about storytelling and what that could mean and so forth. I'm just, you know, we talk about the Kansas City shuffle. I'm just throwing in there that a lot of times we assume things and then it's not. So I'm just saying there could be some other so possibility. To Tracy, but... Matt is going to show up with this guy's head, holding this guy's <laughs> head like, hey, he tried to mess with me, but I'm Bosch's daughter. <laughs> I'm saying it's one possibility. So, but no, I, I know I lean towards what you guys are saying as far as what would happen, but I'm just, just pointing out that we got to be prepared. We've been fooled before, you know, with things. So um, next question, much lighter, a cameo 
that you wish for for season two that we have not seen yet? Someone you'd like to see come back that we haven't seen yet? Beansy. <laughs> Man, that's a good one. I gotta say. All right, Pete, what's yours? Yes. Okay, mine is billets. So those are some good choices. Yeah, Beansy, Pierce, and billets. I mean, stellar cast right there. All right, I think that's some great discussions and great points. All right, and now. Last thing, some trivia from Pete. All right. Yeah. Nice and simple. In the episode where they're at the food truck and they're talking about cup food and Orville Redenbacher pulls up and on his car on the passenger side, there's some writing. What does it say? Um, okay. I, it said something like building inspector. I, I didn't know the, of Los Angeles. There's numbers. When was it founded? I don't know all of it. That's well, all I remember. That's all I remember. <laughs> all you remember is it said something about inspection and building? <laughs> Building Inspector Los Angeles. Okay, so that's what I remember. Hey, what do you got here, Jay? I, I got nothing. I remember the like the little logo on it, but I don't I don't know any numbers, sir. I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't see no Los Angeles, but I did see Building oh. and Safety 026512 okay. founded in in 1781. Okay. All right. That's probably how she thought maybe it was him. Maybe she recognized that number. Yes. From the from the paperwork that was on the fence at that house. And she called him. Again, with the numbers, man. But I should have paid attention to that number. Yes, you should have. Just closing thoughts on Bosch Legacy. We're getting to season two. We didn't know exactly what to expect with season one. For me, we got a great mix of new and old. I thought it blended quite rather seamlessly from the original Bosch into this these new situations and scenarios for our characters. Thoughts from you guys? Anything you wanted to point out? agree i think it was a good mix we got some old we got some new uh we got some things we didn't expect uh i'm also gonna agree with with pete the sentimental side of me would like to see uh would have liked to seen maybe some more characters that we're used to and i get you can't and whatever it's a new story but overall i listen i was really impressed with it i get i get worried about spinoffs and Uh And things that are similar to something, because you know you gotta change some stuff. And uh, I think they did a good job keeping kind of the timeline, keeping the story, keeping the characters, but adding in little different bits here and there that it was its own standalone product. And I listen, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Plain and simple, I enjoyed it. What about you, Pete? So Michael Connolly is on an absolute roll right now. I feel that he just hit two ten out of ten. Um, TV series with the Lincoln Lawyer and the Bosch Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like both those shows were probably my first and second favorite show of the year. And he's just on an absolute roll right now. Whatever he touches is turning to gold. He's surrounding himself with the right people. I'm going to say that the two he's two for two with shows this year for me. Mm-hmm. Every show is different. And we don't just podcast the podcast people. We podcast the shows that we love. We love Bosch Legacy. We love Lincoln Lawyer. So that's why we are here. Um, So thank you, Michael Connolly. Good thoughts. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for our finale discussion. We do have some exciting interviews coming up. So please watch for those. We'll keep you posted on the social media. And thanks for tuning in. And we'll definitely be back for season two. See ya. Great season. Later. Bye. You're going to say bye, Jay? Yeah. Goodbye.